Praise God. As I always say, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Well, as I said in the opening there, this is a, a new season. It's back to school, if you will. It's, it's also a signal to us as children of God that it's a new season. It's a new learning about God in our lives. Kids are going back to school, taking on new studies and been promoted to new classes and so forth. And so it is with us. God operates in seasons. So this is going to be a new time for learning and for new things in your life as well. There's a new season and a new learning for growth in Christ Jesus. It's all about new beginnings, new beginnings. You may or may not know that Genesis 1 Christian Ministries was founded, the very name itself, Genesis 1, when the Lord gave me that name, was based on the fact that Genesis is the book of beginnings. Genesis 1 Christian Ministries is a church, it's a ministry about new beginnings. It's about someone when they first come to Jesus Christ, learning about the Lord. This is a place of new beginnings. When we make new starts in life, it's a place about new beginnings. When you decide to take on a different path and that you're following God, and maybe God wants you to make a change, it's all about new beginnings. So that's what life is all about, new beginnings. But how can you make these beginnings without trusting God? How can you make these beginnings without trusting God? And I say to you today, but can you trust God when it doesn't make sense? I say to you today, can you really trust God when it doesn't make sense? And that's the title of today's message. Can you trust God when it doesn't make sense? So many times when things are before us and we know what the word of God is telling us and we're praying and God tells us A, B, C, and D. And then you stand up there and you look around and you say, well, wait a minute, now that doesn't make sense. How is that going to work? That doesn't make sense. Well, God tells us that we can't be thinking things through on our own. Go to Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. We have to always back up what we're saying here with the word of God. Go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3. It is so challenging when you have to move forward and God is saying to trust you. Trust me, trust me, trust me, God is saying. But then you're standing back. And a whole lot of times, you know, we don't even realize that we're thinking that. A whole lot of times when God is telling us to do something and we feel an unction that we need to do something, a lot of times we don't even stop and think, well, gee whiz, that doesn't make sense. Why would God tell me that? Uh, Proverbs 3, starting with verse number 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Let, my, let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. God's commandments will add to long life and peace. Okay, they shall add to thee. Verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of your heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. If you don't have it underlined, underline it or again or, again, or, or first time, whatever, underline it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. All right. So he's saying there in verse number five, trust the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto your own understanding. 
When God is telling you to do something, when God is saying he's going to do something for you, don't go trying to reason it away and figure out why that doesn't make sense. It won't work. Okay? In all your ways, acknowledge God and he will direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Many times God will be telling us to do something, but we'll start thinking, well, gee whiz, maybe I need to do this. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should pick up the phone and call somebody. Maybe I should write a letter to so-and-so. Maybe I should go see so-and-so instead of relying on God. Don't try to reason why God is telling you to do something. Because God will oftentimes tell you something which makes no sense to you. It says, in, um, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not on your own understanding. Verse 7, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, respect the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to your bones. In other words, it will be good for you. It will be good for you to not to try to figure God out. God's ways are not our ways. Go to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah. Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Praise the living God. 55, and we're going to start with verse number 8. 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Isaiah uh, 55, verse number 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Okay? So God's thoughts are not your thoughts. So why is it, though, that so many times when God is telling us to do something or God is giving us an insight, we start thinking to ourselves, but that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Here you've got this bill sitting in your mailbox. Here you've got the mortgage or the rent payment that's sitting on your desk. You see the bill there. You've got, you got, what's his name, Portland General hounding at you, and you're sitting there and you're waiting, and, and God is saying to do this or do that. God is saying to, you want to get that bill paid? You see that rose bush out there? Go out there and cut off three roses. And you're like, well, gee whiz, God, that doesn't make sense. What is that going to do with this bill? Lean not on your own understanding. God has a reason that he does things in our lives, okay? See, but we, though, we want to reason things on our own way. You know, it's like a fortune cookie or something, you know. You know, you, you may, you know some folks may actually believe if they're trying to pay to get this bill paid, and if God said to go down to this ding-fong-dong restaurant there, and I want you to get a, a fortune cookie, and when you open this fortune cookie, there's going to be some instructions that's in it to tell you how to get that bill paid. You know, many people go down to that restaurant and look for that fortune cookie, and open it up and say, oh boy, there's going to be, you know, a coupon in there to get $10,000 from ABC Bank, some weird dumb thing, but people will believe that. Other than simply believing and saying to God, okay, Lord, you said to do this. I'm not going to lean on my understanding. I'm not going to try to reason out how this connects. It's simply the fact that, Lord, you told me to do it. God told Abraham to take his only son to sacrifice him. He didn't start reasoning. Lord, how is this going to work? How is this going to lean towards a better life or blessings or whatever? He simply just went on and did it. You know, 
Boy, God forbid if we had anything so radical and drastic in our lives where God told us to do something like that. How many of us would fold? I mean, I'd be the first to admit, I'm no holier than thou. I would have a hard time wrestling with me and say, hey, take the knife and go out there and sacrifice your, your son or your daughter. My kids are here waving their heads. Thank God, Dad. Thank God, Dad. Thank God, Dad. <laughs> Amen. 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 You know? Okay, but, but, but lean not on your own understanding. And God is saying here in verse number 11, it says, So shall my word um, be that go forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. It shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. So if God has told you he's going to prosper you, if the word of his word is saying left and right that he's going to prosper, he's going to bring things to pass, then that means that God's word can't return to him without accomplishing that thing that he said it was going to accomplish. You're in prayer and God tells you, I'm going to give you this new job, I'm going to give you this new house, I'm going to give you this new car, and you're hearing God's word, God's word has been confirmed to you by scripture. Do you think maybe that God's going to go against it and you're going to try and figure out, well, Jesus, God said that was going to happen, but, you know, the big old but, you see, and that's what hangs us up in our lives. God's ways are not our ways. God sent Abraham out. You know, let's go to Genesis 12, my famous scripture, and many of you know why that is my favorite scripture. Genesis 12 here. But I, I, I love this. I love it because this is very, very indicative of us. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Verse number 1. Very first book on page 1 of your Bible. No, just kidding. <laughs> So you've got an index and other things like that. Genesis uh, chapter 12, verse number 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country. Get away from your home and your kindred and your family. Get away from your country and your family and from your father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy, thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And in, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Verse 4, so Abram departed in obedience. Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 70 and 5 years old when he departed out of Haran. All right? God told him to get up and leave your family. Get up and leave your home. Get out of your father's house. Many of us would have said, well, what, how, why? What does that make sense? He's, well, God said, I'm going to bless you. Well, Lord, how come you can't bless me here? I mean, I'm 75 years old. I've been living here 75 years. That doesn't make sense. Why do I have to get up from the comfort of my home and my family and leave them? I've been here all of my life. 75 years. He's not 32. He's 75. Amen? He didn't say, Lord, why, 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 why? What does it say in verse number four? He was obedient. So Abram departed. But many times when God is telling us to do something, we start looking at, well, gee whiz, I've been here for so long. I've been in this house. I've had this car. I've had this job. I've done this. I've this. Why, Lord? Why now? I've been working here for 32 years. Why now? I've been in this house for so many years. Why now? I've been shopping at this store where I buy my red shoes for so many years. Why now? Amen. Sounds a little silly, sounds a little trivial, but the things that we get so accustomed to in our lives is many times where God will bring the new season. In the areas of your life that you've become so comfortable in, many times that's where God will bring the new season, the new adventure, the new learning uh, uh, process. So we can't be so quick to say to God, well, gee whiz, well, to see the thing about it, though, that's the subtle thing about it. We as human beings, we are not quite so stupid 
that when God tells us something, that we turn to God and say, well, Lord, that doesn't make sense. I don't think any of us would hardly say to God, well, God, why are you telling me that we, that doesn't make sense? No, you don't say it to God, but you sure think it. You think it. You get up off your knees after prayer and you start walking away from your prayer closet and you start scratching it. Well, gee whiz, that doesn't make sense. Why would God want me to go out there and cut off three roses and I got this bill to pay? And you start rationalizing and you start reasoning. Abraham didn't, Abraham didn't ask him why. Okay? Abraham was promised a son. Go to Genesis 17. Now, now this is, this is really a doozy here. You go to, to uh, Abraham's, uh, Abraham, Genesis 17. And Abraham 17, and we want to start with verse number 15. Abraham, uh, Genesis 17, verse number 15. And God said unto Abraham, as for Sarai thy wife, Thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nation. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed. He laughed. Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, on the line that said in his heart. This is what he was thinking. And said in his heart. Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is ninety years old, bear? See, there it is. There it is right there. Okay, God, this doesn't make sense. Verse 18 says, And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee, behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall, be, uh, shall he beget, and make him a great nation. And you know the rest of the story. But here God told him at that age that you, you were going to have bear a son. And his wife as old as she was. But Lord, that doesn't make sense. How can that be? How many times does God tell us things that seemingly at the time seem to be impossible? Or there's no connection with where God wants to go. And we know that from this, as a matter of fact, before that, uh, 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 um, uh, his wife Sarah, Sarah had offered, offered uh, um, Abraham her handmaiden, and they decided they wanted to try to help God. And Ishmael was born and so forth like that. And you know, you know what happened with Ishmael. He became the progenitor, the beginnings of the Arab nations. And Isaac later on was born and so forth. And he was the Jewish nations. And there's war going on between them to this day. Amen. But, but when God tells you something, though, you can't go saying, well, God, that doesn't make sense. Abraham laughed in his heart. So, in other words, he was saying, well, how can that be? That doesn't make sense. We look at Joshua with his, with his taking Jericho there. Let's go to, jo- to, um, to uh, the book of Joshua. Praise the living God. How many times, how many times, how many times? Joshua 6. You know, and the thing about it is that any of us here over the age of 10 years old, and most of us here are over 10, some by a factor of X, and I won't go there. <laughs> All right? But, but how many of us here can think back to when God told us that something was going to happen or something you were praying for? Everything that was going on in your life didn't seem like no way was this going to happen. It seemed like it was just an impossible thing. 
And then all of a sudden, boom, lo and behold, you get a blessing. You get a blessing. But we don't learn from that. We don't learn from that. God has blessed us many ways, many times over. All of us here in this sanctuary at one, at one time or another has been blessed by God. But now we've got some situation in, in our lives that seems to be impossible. Where you can't see the end. You don't know how things are going to turn out. God may tell you to do something really, really, you know, get on the bus in South Salem and ride downtown and back three times. And you've got this impossible task before you. But if you know that God is telling you to do that, you need to get on that bus and ride back and forth three times. You can't start saying to God deep in your heart the way Abraham laughed in his heart. Oh, that doesn't make sense. I'm 100 years old. You can't say that makes no sense, God. I'm not going to do that because that has no connection with this thing, this impossible thing that's going on in my life. The thing about it is, can you trust God when it does not make sense? So we see in Joshua, in, in, in uh, the battle of Jericho, we're not going to read the whole thing, but we'll just go through uh, chapter 6, verse number uh, 1. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, see... I have given thee, underline have given, I have given thee, past tense, I have given thee, given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. God says, it's a done deal in the past tense, I've given it to you. And you shall accomplish the city, all all ye men of war, go round about the city once, thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests uh, shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horn. On the seventh day you shall compass the, the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with trumpets. There should have been some indicator right there that something was up because God keeps using all of these seven, 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 seven. Amen. And, the, and it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priest and said unto them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns and prepare the Ark uh, before, uh, horns before the Ark of the Lord. All right. So the operative things here is that in verse number five, where it says that it shall come to pass when they make a long uh, blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city shall fall down. Most people looking at that wall. Okay, and again, I think I've mentioned to you that if you look at archaeological history, you, you'll see that or where Jericho, the ruins of Jericho was found. And the wall there was, it wasn't like a wall, you know, that's, that's like two inches of sheetrock, you know, or one layer of bricks. The walls were actually built so that a chariot could run, run, could run around the perimeter of the wall on top of the wall. It was wide enough for a chariot to fit. So this was a thick wall. So God said, you just do this now. He didn't say get any dynamite. God didn't say get any kind of heavy duty equipment. He said simply do this, seven trumpets, seven horns and so forth. And you blow and you shout and the wall's going to fall. Many people would have said, wait, God, that doesn't make sense. That's against the laws of physics. How is that going to make a wall just fall down? But can you really trust God when it doesn't make sense to you? That's the bottom line. If you were Joshua, how would you have fared? What would you have done in that situation? Well, you say, well, Pastor, I don't never have any walls of Jericho in front of me, so why would I have to be concerned about it? Or you don't? I guarantee you, when that problem is popping up in your life, when that thing that you're worried about so much is there, that wall, that, that problem in your life is just as thick as that Jericho wall. It seems just as formidable. It seems, it seems just as impenetrable. When that problem out there that you're dealing with is out there in front of you, that is just as bad as a thick Jericho wall. 
And the solution might be for God to tell you to take seven trumpets to do so-and-so and so-and-so, something that may seem equally um, uh, as unrelated. But the question is, can you trust God when it doesn't make sense? Okay, you see, and, 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 and I, I keep saying that and will keep saying it because you've got to get in your spirit, in your mind that, that that when you don't trust God because something doesn't make sense. This is not something that you do with a whole lot of thought. You don't plan to sit down to say, well, this doesn't make sense to me. This doesn't make sense. It just pops up in your spirit. It pops up in your psyche. It pops up in your mind instantaneously without any thought whatsoever. God tells you something to do and you say, that doesn't make sense. You say it before you even take your next breath. You, you say it before you even get your next heartbeat. That's how quickly it pops up in your mind. That makes no sense. How is that going to work? You see? And what you need to really, really be sensitive to is that when you are going through whatever it is that you're going through, when this Jericho wall pops up in your mind, okay, what you really, really got to be sensitive to is that in that split second of time that you are aware of whatever that problem is, that's when that thought, this doesn't make sense, pops up. So you've got to be prepared that you do not let that come in. You cannot go not trusting God because you can't see in your mind how this is going to make sense. But it happens so quickly. It happens in a nanosecond. It happens in between a heartbeat that right away, the instantaneously, the thought pops up. That doesn't make sense. So you got to be on your peace. you got to be on your guard that the minute that that thought pops up, you've got to render it useless. you got to render it uh, uh, powerless. You've got to knock it down. You've got to pull it down real quickly. Because the minute you let that thought, this doesn't make sense, fester in your mind, it grows. It grows and it grows and it grows. And that, that, that thought doesn't make sense then. It winds up growing into a big thing called doubt. Okay? A big thing called doubt. And then distrust of God. And then the rest of it is all downhill. So he, he see here that right away, Joshua didn't have that moment of thought. This doesn't make sense. What can cause us? What can cause us to not trust God when it doesn't make sense? Many things can cause that. You know? Go to Malachi 3. Malachi 3. So, uh-oh, now, nah. uh-oh, here he goes. He's on, let me talk, we soon just say Malachi 3, people, uh-oh, here he goes on the tithing. Well, what are some of the things that can cause us? Okay? Especially when you got bills due. When you got bills due. But, but let's go to the word, Malachi 3, starting with chapter 10. Well, as a matter of fact, let's start at 7. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me, prove me, or test me, test me now, herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Amen? Amen? So, reading that, you say, how can I trust God when, when, when there's bills that are due? 
How can I trust God and God is saying that you're robbing me and tithing off me? What does one thing have to do with the other? This is a deep spiritual thing here that the minute you start thinking about, oh Lord, that doesn't make sense. I mean, what do you need with my money? What do you need with it? That is not the point. What God is saying is, how much will you honor me? How much will you trust me? God knows Back in these days, in biblical days, they were an agrarian society. They were farmers. God knew how much it took to raise a crop. God knew how much it took to raise cattle or whatever it was that you were farming. So God is saying that you bring your portion to me and you give to me the thing that you are relying on. God is saying, not give me the whole thing, but give me a tenth. Tithe is Greek for a tenth. But give me a tenth. Offer unto me that part. Give it to me. God doesn't need the physical money. God's looking at a deep spiritual thing is that, will you trust me enough to give something that is so near and so important to you? And you say, well, gee whiz, I have a bill. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. What is God? God is saying it's to prove me, test me, to see if I won't open the windows of heaven. Well, that doesn't make sense. A window of heaven? You know what that means? That means you being able, you miraculously getting money to pay the bill. That means you miraculously to accomplish whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. Okay, And once you get locked into this, you'll see blessings that will just come upon you overflowing, overflowing. But this is another area, though, where we wind up saying to ourselves, well, that doesn't make sense. I just got my paycheck. PGE says X number is due. They threatened to shut off the lights. I better get rid of and pay PGE. That's saying it doesn't make sense, Lord, to trust you. So you trust God and you do what God is telling you to do and then you watch and see how the blessings just overflow you. They will overtake you. Amen? How can you trust God if it doesn't make sense? You may have some major strongholds in your life that need to be torn down. And let me just encourage you by saying that God is on your side. God is on your side. It may not seem like it. Sometimes it may seem like God is just so distant that he's not there. That God doesn't understand. God knows all of your needs. He also knows your wants. But God has this wonderful thing of focusing on our needs. Not so much on our wants. Amen? I heard a pastor the other day saying, he said, gee whiz, you know, thank God God doesn't always just focus on our wants. Thank God God, God doesn't just all of a sudden return and give you all of your wants. So you stop and think how many husbands or wives you might have if that were the case? <laughs> All right. All right. How many times have I heard this list? Oh, oh, pastor, you see brother so-and-so? Oh, yeah, the Lord told me that's for me. Yeah, you see, see that girl, sister so-and-so? Oh, yeah, the Lord told me she's for me. Oh, yeah, every single one of those, suppose God has said, you got it, you got it, you got it, you got him, you got him, you got him. God knows your needs. God knows what's best for you. Amen? Amen? There is a war. That's going on. There's a war that's going on, and that war is in your mind. The mind is the battlefield. Amen? But the good news is that God is fighting on your side. And you can win that battle that's in your mind. You're saved. You're born again child of God. You heard, you see, Ephesians 6 talks about the helmet of salvation. You put on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is there to protect your mind. Because that's where the onslaught comes. When God tells you to do something or that God says he's going to do something and you say that doesn't make sense, where do you think that thought is coming from? Where do you think that thought is coming from where the devil is putting in your mind? That doesn't make There's no connection between what God is telling you to do and what you need. Amen? So put on that helmet of salvation to protect your mind. Thoughts are indeed powerful. 
And according to the book of Proverbs, it says that they have creative ability because Proverbs 23, 6 says, we have to go there right now. Proverbs 23, 6 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. And that is a powerful, powerful statement because our thoughts have creative ability. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. You ever have a pain, palpitations, or any kind of a physical issue going on in your body, and it's there because of the fact that you're worried about something? You're thinking about something, okay? And usually it doesn't get to that point until it's really, I mean, this is a heavy-duty thought or something you're wrestling with. It's really a big worry. You know, thank God we don't get palpitations, all sorts of physical things from just casual issues. But when you got something really going on in your mind, going on in your life that's troubling you and weighing on you, it can have a physical reaction in your body. Shortness of breath, headaches, all sorts of aches and pains. So the word of God is so corrected where it says, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So even when you've got these things going on in your life and you're just feeling and there's no physical reason why you should be feeling like that, then there may be something that you are holding on to that you're worried sick about, literally worried sick about. So as a man thinks, as so is he. So when God gives you the solution to that problem and you start thinking to yourself, well, gee whiz, God said to do this. God said to meet me six o'clock in the morning in prayer. Meet me six o'clock tomorrow morning in prayer. And you've got this ache. And you're saying, what does that have to do with this ache? What does that have to do with my shortness of breath? And I guarantee you, you meet God at that appointed time. And you put on some praise music. Put on your earphones and put on some praise music. And you spend time with the Lord. And I guarantee you that that pain, that issue, that thing that you're you're, you're dealing with on your shoulders will evaporate. It'll disappear. It'll disappear instantaneously. As a man thinks, so he is. You see? You see, you see the wonderful thing is that, is that a, 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 as you start thinking and as you believe, as you trust, you, it brings about peace in your life. It brings about peace. The more you'll be at peace and no worries. As a matter of fact, there's no way that you can have a positive, exciting life and have a negative mind. The two are, two are complete opposite, opposites. You can't have a positive, really exciting life and at the same time keep a negative mind. It just doesn't work. Okay, that, that is as real as physics because the word of God says so. Amen. So we have to bring ourselves to the point here that we start thinking about, gee whiz, you know, you know can I trust God when it doesn't really seem to make sense? Where do I take it? How many here have known what it is like to wait on God? <laughs> How many have known what it's like to wait on God? Go to James. James 1. James 1. James 1, chapter 2. I'm sorry, James 1, verse 2. James chapter 1, verse number 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers or various temptations or trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Okay? So now that's another thing. Does it make sense? 
Does that make sense? To count it joy. That I should be joyful when I've got a particularly difficult thing going on in my life. Amen. You don't feel like being joyful. You don't feel like being joyful. Okay. You see. But then again, this is what takes the well-versed child of God, one who's really been in deep and entrenched in the word and understanding what God is saying there. Because when you get that trial or tribulation that's in your life, the reason why God is saying to count it all joy, because you know that is going to build patience in waiting on him to solve the problem. Okay? When you really, really get destitute and start finding, feeling, feeling down is when you're running into this tribulation, this trial in your life, and there's no hope forever coming out of it. You see? But we as Christians, when we have a difficult time in our life, you know, it, it, it's like you almost, I know I have said this myself. I said, okay, boy, and I'm at this spot now. Okay, Lord, it's going to be interesting and fascinating to see how you're going to get me out of it. <laughs> Amen? Because I know that God will, because He always has. So in other words, you count it joy knowing that God is going to bring me out of here, that whatever the situation is, it's not going to be lasting forever. And God will sustain me until he gets me to where he wants me to be. And then I know that it'll build patience in me in knowing that God is going to be there. If you stop and you think back on the time that God brought you through various things, you can think then, remember, Pastor, it didn't necessarily happen overnight. It may have been a day, a week, or two weeks, or a month, or whatever, whatever it may have been. But God did bring you through. And when you stop and think about it, did you want for anything while you were waiting for that thing to materialize? Were you suffering? Because God sustained you. Amen? Amen? Knowing this, that the trying, and, and verse number three, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and, uh, and entire wanting for nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For he, um, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. All right? So that means that if you want wisdom, ask God for some wisdom. But you've got to have some faith without, without anything wavering. Knowing that God is going to bring you through. Whatever that difficult thing is, whatever that Jericho wall might be, whatever it is that God is telling you to do, you cannot stand back and start thinking, first of all, it doesn't make sense why God is telling me to do that. And why do I have to wait? I waited already. I waited before on the last one, Lord. Why well, do I have to wait again? That makes no sense. Why are you telling me to wait? Well, you don't know what God is doing. You don't know what God is doing in the outside world around you. You don't know where, where God is, is, is moving a person from one spot to another spot to put you in a spot. You don't know where God is preparing a house, preparing a car, preparing a situation. You don't know where, you, you don't know where, um, um, God is waiting to have a particular doctor on duty that can, that can do what God wants you to do uh, on that part of your body. You don't know. All you just know is that if God says to wait and it's not happening right now, You've got to realize and really believe in your spirit that God knows what's going on in your life. God knows. And if he tells you to do something that seems to be unconnected, then God's doing that for a reason too. You know? You ever tell a child, and it's hard for you that maybe not have had kids, but, but if you've been around nieces or young nephews and things like that, sometimes you tell a child to do something and you watch to see how well they're able to do it. 
And you stand by making sure they don't get hurt or whatever, whatever. Sometimes you tell a child, go do this, go do that. And you sit back and then you watch to see how the child negotiates the problem or figures out the problem because you want to see how they're doing. You ever stop to think to yourself before you start disbelieving God and saying it doesn't make sense? Sense? That maybe God is trying to see how I'm going to handle it. Maybe God is trying to see if I am mature enough to handle where he wants me to be. You've heard me say it many times over the years. Would you give the, a, a nine-year-old kid the keys to your nice car outside? I don't think so. Not unless you're a glutton for trouble. Okay? All right? So many times God will not give you the keys either until he realizes that you're mature enough. But if you're one of those children who winds up kicking and screaming, which I've heard some kids do when the mother says, Johnny, go do so-and-so, so-and-so, why? And starts kicking the mother, why? Why? At that point, you know, for those who don't want to be, want to be holier than thou, you know, tell them, boy, because I said to go do it. Okay, that's it. End of discussion. Okay? See, but God, God is, God is more loving than I am in that regard, and Heavenly Father helped me to get there. Okay? 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 But, 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 but God will, will like nurture you along and so forth. Alright? Okay? You see? And, 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 but, don't let it get to the point in your life where you are such an unbeliever, especially for a child of God. Now, when I say unbeliever, I don't mean unbeliever in Jesus Christ. But the fact that you don't believe God's word fully, that God has to get to the point, has to get to the point and say to you, because I told you to do so. Okay? Now, you may not hear God's voice actually say that to you, but how you will hear it is by the consequences of your life. By you not doing what God is telling you to do, by you not trusting God enough, okay, and eventually God will say, okay, he wants to do it the hard way, she wants to do it the hard way, okay, I'll back off and let him go a season, let him see. And when you get tired of running your head into the wall and banging your head into the wall and you got not to leave, when you get tired of that, maybe you'll come back to the Lord and you'll start listening to what it is he told you to do. Instead of saying, but why do I have to do that, Lord? Kick, kick, kick and stumble. I waited before. Lord, I'm so-and-so years of age. I should be at the top of my profession. I should be there. I should be here. I should be doing this. You listen to what God is telling you to do. Okay? In the meantime, you just wait and you wait and you wait until you build the patience. Remember that God also is never in a hurry. But he's always on time. God is never in a hurry, but he's always on time. He will use your entire lifetime sometimes to prepare you for what he wants you to do. You know, God sometimes will wait a lifetime or he'll wait until you are demonstrating that you are at the level of proficiency to do whatever it is that he wants you to do. You know, some people want to have, you know, um, a gift of, you know, the, the, the word of wisdom or word of knowledge. Why? Because deep in their spirits, they're nosy. They want to know what's going on in other people's lives. So they don't want to ask them. They want God to give them insights. Oh, Lord, give me the word of knowledge. Give me the word of wisdom so I can be able to prophesy what's happening to so-and-so. What are you going to do with that if God told you? What are you going to do? You're that kind of person. God gives you an insight. Oh, man, so-and-so is doing so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. And right away, you, boy, did you hear about Auntie Hattie? You hear about what Sister Hattie's doing? All right? You start gossiping and talking about it. God is not going to give you a gift like that when he knows that you're not proficient, you're not spiritually mature enough. 
Well, the same thing happens with everything else that's in your life. God is not going to put you someplace where you're not prepared to go yet. Unless he wants you to be there, then he will prepare you. All right? But you can't go saying that about other secular things, other, other ungodly things, because it just doesn't work that way. Be patient with God and yourself. Be patient with God and yourself. One of life's biggest frustrations is that God's timetable is rarely the same as ours. God's timetable is rarely the same as ours. You know? I know I can think back in retrospect on many things that I wanted to do, places I wanted to go, and thank God God didn't put me there because I sure wasn't ready for it. When God wants you to be someplace, he'll put you there and he will prepare you so that you're ready for that place. We are oftentimes in a hurry when God isn't. You may feel frustrated with the seemingly so slow progress that you might be making in life. So you can trust God when it doesn't make sense that things are... So, so, so can you, I should say, trust God when it doesn't make sense that the things that you're waiting for are taking so long? Okay, can you really trust God for that? The Bible is filled with examples of how God uses a long process to develop character. It took 80 years, including the 40 years in the desert there, for God to develop Moses. Eighty long years. And then when he got to the desert, it took 40, 40 uh, years that Moses kept waiting and wondering, are we there yet? <laughs> Can you imagine that? Rambles 40 years for a distance that I read someplace one time with the short space that could have done in 11 days or something like that. All right. Forty years God took them on this route. You know, think Moses wasn't wondering why, Lord. I mean, gee whiz, you know. Why so long? Never stopping to think about that when you're wondering why so long, that in the meantime, God is sustaining you. God's taking you the way you need. He's carrying you. Moses' shoes, it says that their shoes never wore out, their clothing never wore out. God provided food and drink for them for 40 years. How'd you ladies like to have a pair of shoes that lasted 40 years? Amen. Well, I don't know about the styles may change, but amen. When you're in the desert, that doesn't make that much difference anyhow. But anyway, you know, praise the living God. Forty long years, and Moses, I'm sure, was wondering, are we there yet? How much longer? And not to mention the fact that the people were carrying on like crazy. Sinning, repenting, sinning, repenting, sinning, repenting. Back and forth. Lord, are we there yet? But God kept saying, not yet. But how can you trust God when it doesn't make sense? How can you trust them? Strong, mature Christians are grown through struggles and storms and seasons of challenges. So you've got to be patient with the process. Okay? Nothing in life that means anything happens overnight. Think about a job or something that you're trained in. You get better and better and better as you progress along that job. As you execute that job on a daily basis, you get better and better and better. Okay? If you're an artist, you get better and better at painting. If you're into photography, you get better and better with the photographs that you take. Anything in life that is, is worth accomplishing takes time, takes time. So why do we think that God necessarily is going to do anything differently with us? Okay, now that God, that doesn't say that God can't work miracles and move you from point A to point B instantaneously. God is God, he can do whatever he pleases. But our responsibility, though, is to realize, not and sit back and think that God's going to move me from point A to point B miraculously all the time, because then that means there's no effort on our part taken. 
If we just sit back and we're content to say God's going to promote me from A to B and I ain't got to do nothing but go feed the pigeons, then it takes no effort on our part to learn or to develop or to grow. Okay? Because then when you get from point A to point B miraculously, what are you going to do about point C? You haven't been trained. You haven't been developed. A new thing comes into your life. And that's one of the great, wonderful things about being human beings. There's always something new that comes into your life. Granted, all things that come new into your life are not always great and wonderful and, ooh, la-di-da things. But the thing about it, as we as human beings, Christian human beings, go through life and new things come in, we know how to deal with them because we've got a God that is there that is willing to teach us. Remember that a delay that is in your life is not necessarily a denial. A delay in life is not necessarily a denial. Remember how far you've come, not just how far you have to go. Think about where you've come from, not just how far you have to go. You are not where you want to be, but neither are you where you used to be. Amen? You may not be where you want to be, but think again also that you're not where you used to be. Think about where you were five years ago, especially to the things of God. Hopefully in five years you've grown in God. Hopefully in five years you've realized some important new things about God and you've seen things moving in your life. In closing here, there's a couple of things that I want you to think about. How is God using a season of challenges in your life to develop your character? Think about where you've been over the last few months, last few weeks, last few years. How has God used those challenges to, to develop your character? Okay? I don't know about you, but every single time I come out of a challenge, there's something that I've learned. Okay? Many times after you've come out of a challenge and you've waited on God, the first thing you need to do is to spend some time with God and reflect Have Holy Spirit deal you through and bring you through what it is that you went through. Okay, because more times than not, God will show you why things happened the way they did. Why things panned out the way they did. Where you did well and where you could do something else maybe a little differently if you run across that way again. Okay, it's doing some reflection on your own performance. God takes, you see the wonderful, the beautiful thing about God, even though it may not feel like it, feel good at the time. But the things in our lives that are difficult... God is developing us. God is developing us. It may not seem like it at the time, you know. I remember in pottery class when I, when I had it and we had that lump of clay that was a piece of wood with a wire on an angle going across it. And you take that clay, that chunk of clay, you slice it on the wire, which would cut that chunk in half. You put it back together, slice it on the wire again. Put it back together, slice it on the wire again. That would expose little rocks and things like that that were in it, the impurities. But think about that in life. When you've got those challenges, God is slicing and he's purifying you. When you get the really, really difficult things in life that really seem to be mind-numbing, that seem the most difficult to, to come through, okay, you're being put through the fire. At that pottery class, when I finally made my little ashtray, everybody made ashtrays, I made, made a little ashtray and whatnot, okay, mom kept that ashtray until the time that she went to be the Lord, kind of thing. but anyway, you know, then you put that thing in a kiln, And it gets baked and it gets hardened. So when you're in the most difficult part of your life, when you're going through the part of your life that right now just seems to be totally impossible, God may be putting you through the fire to strengthen you, to toughen you, to make you so so that you'll be able to stand up and, and, and be strong. Okay, gold at its best, you know, is purified and whatnot, and it goes through and all of the lead and whatever is is melted out of it. So God is shaping you. At the time, it may not feel like that, but God is shaping you. 
So that then when the next thing comes along in your life, and it will, because Jesus said that when you have tribulations, that means that as long as we're on this planet Earth, there will be trials, there will be tribulations, that you'll be even stronger than you when we were before. You see, that's why God says count it all as joy when you're going through these things, because God is preparing, he's making you stronger. Okay? What, what, what promises, what promises from God or our experiences from my past can I remember that encourage me as I wait on God's timing? Something else to ask yourself. What promises from God or what experiences from my past can I remember that encourage me as I wait on God's timing? All things are in God's timing, and you'll benefit if you faint not, in accordance with Romans. In the waiting room of life, you can choose to trust God instead of panicking. you got a choice. Either you panic or you can trust God. You also need to remember two things. One, God is never in a hurry. And two, God is never late. God is never late. Okay? All right? God is never in a hurry and God is never late. God's timing is always perfect. Amen. A woman that's carrying a child says, you, you, you know, when do you do? Oh, in two weeks. The child comes earlier than two weeks. Oh, the child was two weeks early. The child comes two weeks late. Oh, the child was two weeks late. Two weeks late. No, the child was neither early nor was it late. It was born when God wanted it to be born. Okay? It was born when God wanted it to be born. So everything is God's timing. The thing that you're wrestling with right now, if you've got something there that you are uncertain of, you don't know where it's going to end up, you don't know where it's going to land, and you're looking to God for help, what you need to do is say, okay, Lord, am I missing anything? Step number one. This is what I tried. This is what I'm thinking. Step number one, Lord, am I missing anything? Is there something that I need to do? As soon as you can get to the point where deep in your spirit, God knows that you're willing to, that you realize that there's nothing that you can do, that you're looking to God to fix this thing, that's when God rolls up his sleeves and says, now I can work. Now I can do something. The minute you're there trying to figure out what you need to do and how you can fix it and do this, and the things that God is telling you, this doesn't make sense. Once you get past that, then God can roll up his sleeves. Amen? Then in closing here, we won't go there now, but we all know the story of Lazarus. Okay? They sent word to Lazarus that he's dying or has died. Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus loved him and Jesus wept. Yes, though, Jesus tired another two days. He didn't take off right away. Then when he got there, of course, he was in the tomb. And his sisters were, Lord, Jesus, why didn't you come? Why didn't you come sooner? I know this kind of thing. You know, she said, roll the stone away. What do you mean roll the stone away? He's been in there four days. He stinketh, the word of God. He stinketh. What do you mean? Four days he's been in there. No air, no AC. <laughs> he's decaying. You're telling me to roll the stone? He stinketh. Okay. That's the thing I was telling you about. You know, you tell the kid to do something. Oh, what are you kick, kick? What are you telling me to do? How can I have faith in you, Jesus? How can I trust you, Jesus? We call for you to come. First of all, you show up four days late. He's dead. His body's decayed, and you're telling me to roll the stone away because because he's not dead. He's been in there with no air. If he wasn't dead, he is now. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Can you see all of that? Can you see all of that? How can you trust God if it doesn't make sense? Jesus has lost his marbles. Okay? They rolled away the stone. Jesus prayed. 
Lazarus came out. How many times do we miss a blessing because of the fact that it doesn't make sense? He's been in there for four days and he's thinking. God tells you to do something in your life and you say, but God, that doesn't make sense. It's already passed. It's over. I missed the opportunity. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Lord, it's thinking. Trust God. Trust God when it doesn't seem to make sense. You see, you got to realize that we've got to learn to pray for breakthroughs. You've got to develop a, a, a daily habit of prayer. The Word of God says to pray continuously. And you can do that without dropping down on your knees. You can do that while you're driving the car, while you're washing the dishes, when you're sitting at your desk, you know, when, when, when you're doing something at work, wherever you might be, walking the dog, you can pray. Continuously means all the time. You know? You turn on your TV expecting to see something on, right? Continuously. Two o'clock in the morning, you can find something on TV. There's continuous programming. What about if you program yourself to continuously pray to God? And it doesn't have to be an elaborate prayer. You don't have to speak in King James language to pray to God. You don't have to have your, your, your wording laced with these and vows. You say to me, Lord, I praise you, Lord God, thank you. You know? Wife and I went for a walk. Hadn't been walking for a while, and... I prayed while I was walking. When I got back, I said, thank you, Jesus, for getting me back home. <laughs> I said, I prayed, Jesus. You didn't know that, honey, but I did. <laughs> I said, thank you, Jesus, for getting me back home. I pray all the time. It doesn't have to be a, 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 a special thing. She, she, she gave me some time. You say something, Mike? I said, no, honey, just pray. So get in the habit of doing that. And when you get in the habit of doing that, you'll find that, 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 um, that there are laws of spiritual growth that we must follow to grow and to mature in Christ. Just as God created the universe with physical laws like gravity, God also created spiritual laws. And those spiritual laws are just as real. As a matter of fact, they're more real because the things of the spirit pre-existed the physical existence. The spiritual realm exi- existed before the heavens and the planets and so on like that. So you got to realize that in order to get to where you need to be, what you're hearing here today is one of spiritual growth. Focus on how can I trust God when it doesn't seem to make sense? Because don't forget, God doesn't think the way you think. He doesn't think the way you think, okay? And he may be doing something just to see how you're going to react. Last week, a week before last, I told you about doubting uh, Thomas there when he didn't believe that Jesus was alive until he could see him and see the wounds in his hands and his feet and so forth. And what did Jesus saying said to him, you know, and I'm paraphrasing. He said, yeah, you know, say you believe because you see. What about believing before you can even see? Amen. So don't look to find every single answer. Don't be saying to yourself because none of us would ever say to God, God, that doesn't make sense. But do not let yourself get to the point where you're thinking, oh, Lord, that doesn't make sense. Amen. Amen. I pray this message has been a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.